Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We have a great episode planned for you today. Today, we're sitting down with Stephen Kesting of grappleart.com. If you don't know who Stephen Keston is, he is the originator of grappleart.com, which is kind of like the first format of online-based training that kind of ever got developed, especially in the artists just to, especially here in Canada. Before we get started, we want to thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you want to keep seeing the best content as far as coaches, athletes, and different types of guests, make sure you subscribe. That way you don't miss a thing. Today's episode is brought to you by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's top cannabis brand, make sure you go to Spirit Leaf Waterdown and they're going to be able to help you out with all your THC and CBD products. Just make sure you follow them on Instagram and follow us on Instagram and you're going to save money every time you shop there. Thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and we'll see you soon on the map. Welcome everybody to this uh, special podcast episode. I'm Michael. We got Aaron. We have Aaron, of course, here as well. And uh, our esteemed guest for today, firefighter, jujitsu legend, grapplearts.com. And, um, you know, fighting the good fight. Stephen Kesting, how are you doing today? Very well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. So I want to yeah. start out hot. We're coming out hot. Oh, we, boy. In the last two years, <laughs> there's been a lot of things going on unless you've been, you know, living under a rock. I'd um, like to be, I'd like to have been living under a rock. Can we please allow me to live <laughs> under a rock the last two years? <laughs> things would have been much simpler, but, you know, I've been following you on social media for a while. You've got, you know, you know, follow up, you know, followed your, you know, jujitsu and, and all that. And a lot of like, you know, a lot of things that you've been doing there, but you know, talking about, you know, there's a lot of controversy that's been happening the last couple of years, but, you know, you've, you've gotten involved, you know, talking about vaccines and, you know, their usefulness and why they're important. And I want to start out hot. We're coming in hard. How did you get involved in these discussions? I've seen like, you've been doing like talks and like, you know, like universities and all that. So like you're a firefighter and then, you know, jujitsu black belt. How did you get involved in all this? I'll start by saying that, a jiu-jitsu black belt really just gives you knowledge in one area and that's how to choke people better how to break their arms better maybe break their legs better and that's really the only area of expertise that a jiu-jitsu black belt gives you similarly if i'm a muay thai instructor yeah i could probably show you how to open up someone's forehead with an elbow knock them out with a round kick to the spleen or, or whatever so i don't think that the jiu-jitsu background gives me any authority at all to talk about this but before I started training jiu-jitsu, depending how you count it, I'd done some judo, I'd been doing lots of other martial arts. I did, uh, I was a biologist. I did, I got my undergrad at McGill University in biology there. And then I got my master's degree at U- University of British Columbia. So before I was a martial artist, I was a science nerd. And then I went and got you know, a science, a sol- reasonably solid science background and spent 15 years in the field of biology doing research. Now, does that give me any kind of special authority here? Not really, but it gives me a certain amount of background and it gives me the ability to read the scientific papers. So like, as opposed to, you know, you're just doing whatever the media is telling you to do. Well, (laughs) uh, I actually get very little of my information. I'll get, let's say I get 0% of my information from CNN or MSNBC. And if there's something really interesting on, I don't know, the New York Times, say, that's a starting point. Like, okay, what is the study that they are citing? Let's go and look at that. 
Uh, similarly, if I go to Fox News and they cite something, okay, what is the study that they are citing? And let's go look at that. And it's really hard to read that stuff. Like you really need, it, it takes a ton of training just to write a scientific paper using the special arcane language and structure. And you need a fair, fairly decent background in statistics and experimental design. And that's just not something that a lot of people have. And by some cruelty of fate, by some drawing of the short straw, I had the background in jujitsu and the background in biology and a background in emergency response. So I found myself at this nexus of these three overlapping areas with a social media platform. And I was like, this is probably going to be a bad idea, but I, I should speak out at least about the facts or the facts as we understand them currently, because a lot of people don't understand that there's facts and there's policies, right? Like the, a fact is something like, I don't know, currently we think that the infection fatality rate of this disease is 1% or, or whatever. A policy is, what do you do about that? Do we, do we go to a lockdown, which we never really had in North America? We had kind of pseudo lockdowns, but if you take a look at the lockdowns they had over in Europe, those were actual lockdowns. We have had like brownouts and slowdowns and you know, we'll target this business, but we'll leave this other one open depending who had more lobbying power or, or whatever other decision-making criteria were used. Those are policies. Mostly I've been talking about the facts, right? Like the fact that most recently uh, that there is actually no good data suggesting that ivermectin works. Right? Like this miracle cure that's being touted by the anti-vaxxers as essentially an alternative to vaccination. We, hey. we, may, we, may have to beep, we may have to beep the I word because I may have jokingly said it in like a previous podcast. <laughs> I think we got blocked, demonetized, like everything. Really? So yeah, right. it was, I mentioned it like just 10 seconds in on a podcast. This is like a goof, like, and not like promoting it or anything, but yeah. it was, I just mentioned it. And like, Aaron was like, Hey, I'm going to run this ad on this podcast. And then like, couldn't do it. It was a oh, mystery. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it would not let me run an ad. I think we're further far enough in the, in the, the podcast anyways. They're not going to go this far. So I'm not worried about it. But yeah, it was so weird. Like I tried, I'm like, okay, maybe it's my bio. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And for the life of me, I could not get them to run this ad. You should and I was not like, have included your link to OnlyFans. Yeah. The, uh, the description. <laughs> Aaron, this, this is the 19th time I've told you this. That's, what it, only was. That's what it was. <laughs> well, like we've been in Ontario and we've been actually kind of targeted, I guess, by a lot of these, what you said, like brownouts or shutdowns. Cause you know, unfortunately for me and Aaron, they've, they've targeted a lot of like the, you know, the fitness industry and the martial arts industry. So we've been and this I've... close to only fans this close. <laughs> well, I'll say two things. Like I'm not, in the first year, I thought that the precautions taken were fairly reasonable, given that we didn't really know what we were dealing with. In British Columbia, where I live, uh, gyms are closed in theory. Very few gyms are actually closed in practice, but gyms are closed in theory. And yeah, uh, and they're still allowing concerts, they're still allowing hockey games, which is insane. Like if, if we're gonna do this, and there's, I think, pretty good arguments for doing it to allow, because we're so far behind in our booster rule. Now I'm just bitching about BC politics, but whatever, you asked for it. Uh, 
let's say there's a good argument for slowing everything down just so we can roll out our boosters to anyone who wants them, especially teachers. We're going to have to go into the classrooms and, okay, we've, we've screwed up. We're three or four weeks behind other provinces or a couple of months behind other provinces in a booster shot rollout. We need to slow things down. Okay, cool. How about everybody suffer? Right now, it's like the London Blitz where they're saying, okay, uh, this store can stay open and keep its lights on. This store can keep its lights on, but you know, this category, I don't know, fish and chips shops, they need to close, they need to shut their lights off at night and be, be blackened out. That doesn't make any sense. So if, great, you're going to shut down gyms for a really good reason? Okay, cool. Let's hope that there's some kind of financial support for those gyms. And I think it was like a thousand bucks for three weeks if you had five employees or less. So basically spending, you know, like you know, coffee change. Uh but then let's let's spread the pain across the board. Let's not, you know, just target the smaller gyms. So I my point here is I don't agree reflexively with everything that the government is doing. I think there's some really shitty policy. But again, that's policy. What are the facts? Okay, let's look at I don't know the the doubling time of Omicron versus uh, Delta. Let's take a look at the hospitalization rate. Let's take a look at our the staff that we have in the hospital. Let's those are facts more or less what do we do about that that's the policy so I, I disagree with the policy but i think if you have people making up facts or spreading misinformation or disinformation the odds of coming up with a good policy are almost zero i mean look at this in a jiu-jitsu context right imagine you might like arm bars i might like chokes and we might argue back and forth but there's no denying that both work but now we've got somebody coming in with a fact that, you know, the secret ultimate way to defeat somebody in a jiu-jitsu match is by hitting uh, a certain pressure point on the uh, floating ribs on the left side of the body or the right side of the body at the same time as you're hitting a pressure point, the wrist that's guaranteed going to knock the person out. That's just a shitty fact. You might be able to coach your students to win a tournament by focusing on, what would I say, arm locks? I might be able to I should give you chokes since it's a choking. Yeah, chokes and then you get okay. arm bars. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you might be able to coach your students to win a tournament based focusing on chokes, and I might be able to come up with an alternate policy or an alternate strategy of coaching my students to win with arm locks. But nobody's going to coach a student to win using a pressure point to the ribs at the same time as hitting a pressure point on the wrist. That's that's just fantasy land. There. I yeah. Kind of dragged it back to jujitsu. I'm proud yeah, no. of myself. No, but a hundred percent. But I mean, like, it's, it's, it's frustrating to see, like, I had to like, kind of just like get off of social media at some points because it's frustrating to see. I understand business owners and all these other people that are frustrated with the policy, as you said, but again, like facts are facts, but it's also like, you're at this, yeah, you want clubs to be open. You want to be able to spread community, have businesses, keep their lights on, pay the bills, all these different things. But then there's, other individuals out there just saying stuff that doesn't make any sense but then people believe it because like oh hey that's my instructor i believe that that works right so it, it's such a fine line and it's frustrating as like an educated individual seeing it and you're like what the fuck are people doing <laughs> i think it i think it's also that like as as you're saying like there's two things like there's government policy and then there's like the biology the science of like this is fact where I think a lot of people are, are frustrated at the government. I think everybody's frustrated at yeah. certain levels of government to a certain extent. Like I know you are, I am, I'm pretty sure Aaron is. I've been at times where 
I think there's nothing wrong with being, you know, critical and frustrated at that, that, but then I think people then take it to the next level and they're going after it's like, well, like, you know, the government's like doing this and then like, okay, well then why aren't they using the letter I to treat it? And then this and that, and, oh, I saw this on YouTube and it's kind of like jujitsu. It's like, I saw this. It's like the guy, it's like, I saw this on YouTube. I'm going to bring it to class. But the difference <laughs> there is that they, let's say that I have a theory that uh, an Aikido wrist lock, uh, Kodagayashi, right? The outward twisting wrist lock is the ultimate submission in jujitsu, right? I, I, let's say I can go and test that and I can get feedback for myself. If we uh, have got some crazy, do I need to use the letter C to, to represent no, no, COVID? No, you can say it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if we've got some kind of crazy theory as to, uh, I don't know, COVID doesn't affect people because they're in shape or COVID doesn't, uh, can be cured by hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or fucking fermented Brussels sprout juice or whatever the latest oh, damn it, I is. haven't tried that one yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, don't release this podcast until we patent and release our, our fermented Brussels sprout juice supplement. Yes, that makes sense. My friends on the Conspirituality podcast have got a great saying, and it's listen to what they say but then watch what they sell, right? I mean, it's, it's instructive that Alex Jones was selling fucking immunity boosting supplements in early 2020. Uh, Rogan was busy, you know, he, what was he selling? Um, some kind of myco uh, immune force, alpha horse, immune. Alpha, alpha brain. brain. Well, there's horse, alpha horse brain. De horse dewormer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but he's also had some kind of immunity booster on it did anyway. Okay. Uh, you know, there, there's there's agendas. I mean, Robert Malone, after 20 years of thinking he hasn't gotten the recognition he deserves, now has the recognition he deserves. He's got a talking circuit for life, right? Like, he's making money off this. I would argue well, that, um, you know, <laughs> early, early in the pandemic, people were accusing me, yeah, sure, you just want everyone to shut down so all they can do is buy jiu-jitsu instructionals. I promise you that is the single worst strategy that, that you could take because you've pissed off everybody who's still training and the people who are grateful for you speaking up, they don't have a pressing problem. They don't have a problem getting out of side control right now because they're not in the bottom of side control and they're not going to buy a side control escape thing. Let me, let me get this straight. All the schools that are shut down, you want them all shut down so they can buy your DVDs at, at grapplearts.com because nobody's going to be able to train and use this information. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a, a, a thread of accusation. Wow. Um, so. That's impressive. That's far-fetched. Wow. Yeah, well, it's not the most far-fetched theory that's been floating around the last couple of years, is it now? I mean... No, it's, you're, you're very true. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah, there's... QAnon, WuAnon, and others, BJJ Anon, uh, where I, I'm not a big fan of the cartoonist Scott Adams, the guy who did Dilbert. I think his politics are really kind of fascist, but he did say something that was really good. Somebody asked him about, well, what do you think about Dr. Peter McCullough and Robert Malone on Joe Rogan? And his answer was, there are only two options. Number one, there's a big pharma conspiracy that's so big and so efficient that it blocks out the sun or number two these are two scientists who didn't manage to convince any of their colleagues that they had the right uh answer but they've gone on to convince 
people who can be easily impressed by big scientific sounding words. And I think that looking at it like that, I mean, I'll go to the firefighting for a second. If, if, if we're a crew, uh, the three of us are a crew and we pull up and uh, uh, there's a house, it's on fire. And I decide we're gonna attack, we're gonna attack it in the front, but we want the back window broken so we can get some of the smoke out. And I go to the next crew of three or four people and say, hey, go to the back of the house, break the window on the second story on the, on the back side of the house. It doesn't get much simpler than that, but the odds of that actually successfully happening are probably only 70 or 80%. Something's mm -hmm. gonna go wrong. There's a dog in the backyard. They're tired and they break the window on the ground floor. They break the window on the left-hand side of the house. Uh, the window's made of Lexan and they can't break it. They forgot to bring up a, a stick to break the window. Like, that it doesn't get simpler than that. And I'm only trying to coordinate seven people in my example or six people in my example. And already the first step of my plan has gone out the window. And anybody who's done any kind of managerial stuff and tried to get like six <laughs> like or Aaron. eight. Yeah. <laughs> really? Well, so how, just a, just, I mean, again, it's like trying to coordinate anything where it's like, okay, guys, we have a plan. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then you go, okay, we're, okay, break. And then everybody does their own thing. <laughs> Uh, was it uh, one of the German, the Prussian generals? You know, no plan of contact survives. No, no plan of action survives contact with the enemy. Yeah. So no super huge conspiracy that relies on hundreds of thousands of people keeping their mouths shut, and hundreds of thousands of scientists at universities picking up the red phone at exactly the right time to coordinate the results. I mean, yeah. it's it's ludicrous. It's and that two things can be true. Big pharma can be corrupt and designed for making money and millions of people wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for the output of big pharma as kind of monitored by government and public health organizations those two things can be true at the same time so yeah, yeah i think that's no. what people don't realize it's like that both of those things you just said are kind of right in their own way because like hey there's been there's been cases of you know, big pharma or like pharmaceutical companies kind of like, hey, there's a lot of money on the line when there's yep. drugs like going to trials and all that, like especially like publicly traded companies and things like that, where like it can be make or break for a company. If their treatment sure. works, they're, they're, you know, set for life. If it doesn't work, then like, that's it. We got to close up shop. Okay. Now let's say we have a drug for hair loss or uh, I don't know, penis pills right the, the two most lucrative <laughs> drugs you got aaron's attention with penis pills but go on <laughs> and i i'm i'm the pharmaceutical I, i'm joe pharma i'm running the company that sells these penis pills and i do a little trial i do the bare minimum and i kind of sweep it under the rug and i like exclude certain people and i, I cook the books to make the, the the initial trial show positive effects uh or why don't, yeah, kind of the way that was a Joe Rogan's uncle, uh, scientifically evaluated Alpha Brain, right? It was his company. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a super small trial. There's tons of ways that you can cook the books to have trials uh, give the outcome that you want and accidentally give you the wrong answer. Because I've, I've, I've done enough um, experiments to have screwed it up a whole number of ways. But now we're going to say, all right, um, now we're going to try and sneak this past the CDC in the States. And I'm going to try and sneak it by 
uh, the Public Health Organization of Mexico, I don't know what that is, and Canada, mm-hmm. and Barbados, mm-hmm. and Cuba, and Albania, and Germany, and France, and Switzerland, and the UK, and Dubai, and, I don't know, Liechtenstein. Because every one of these countries that's giving out, you know, that if, where I want to get my penis pills uh, distributed is going to do some kind of monitoring of that. Eventually, the truth will out. And something like the mRNA COVID vaccines, I mean, there's, what, five billion doses, seven billion, billions and billions of doses have yeah. been given in hundreds of countries, each one of which is monitoring for side effects, right? And, and so if there was this massive uh, flood of heart attacks above baseline heart attacks that happen naturally, we would know. Like, a, you, you, let's say you can bribe Tony Fauci and let's say you can corrupt the CDC. Well, you'd also need to do it for Canada. You'd also need to do it for Mexico and you'd also need to mm-hmm. do it for all these other countries. And that's not going to happen. Yeah, and you made a great point. Just be, like all these vaccines, whether they're good, bad, whatever, they all have to go through strategic testing through their own policymakers before they're even approved for distribution. And that's what it's like, do you really think they're able to bribe every single one of them? That's what I just don't understand the whole anti-vax thing it was like, okay, I get it. Okay, fine. You don't want to get it. But then stating malicious facts that like, oh, it causes this, it causes that. Don't get it because it's just, you're trying to poison everybody. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Also, like, on, also on top of that, it's like, it's like, well, the vaccine does this. It's like, well, which one? There's also like 15 out there currently. So it's like, you have to kind of individualize. Well, you know, Pfizer does this, Moderna does that, AstraZeneca, Sputnik does that. Like, there's, it's, you can't just say, oh, it's the vaccines. Or, well, which one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can always find a dissenting opinion if you go to a large enough group of people, right? Like, if you go to 100 jiu-jitsu instructors, you will find one mm-hmm. who's got some pretty wacky ideas about how to win a match. Yeah. Right? I mean... Uh, and maybe they can make it work even because jujitsu is, is so weird, right? Like maybe, you know, if you went to Eduardo Tellis, okay, the way that you win a match, this is going back 10, 15 years, is you go out and you drop to your knees and you, you turtle and you let the guy try and take your back and then you sweep him. Okay, so that, that's a kind of a minority opinion. I don't think that that would be applicable if everybody started out matches that way, that'd be kind of funny to have two guys dropping it as opposed to two guys <laughs> pulling guard at the same time, which still allows a gator, both guys dropping a turtle. That'd be hilarious. There's double guard pulls, but then, have you ever heard of double turtle pulls? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did pull turtle once in a uh, tournament. I was fighting. I was, I was refereeing. This is back in the day when there was no qualification to referee. So it's refereeing, doing the best I could, hoping to get out of the kids' division because the parents were way worse than the kids. And I had the flu, so I was kind of feverish, but I was trying to help out. And my instructor came, hey, we need you in this division, okay, to, to compete. Okay, so I <laughs> borrowed a gi, so I'm, I'm feverish. I go in for a throw. There's an awesome photo of me looking like I'm about to launch this guy with Tayotoshi into outer space. Totally didn't work. The photo was taken just at the right time. And I just said, oh, fuck it. And I dropped to the turtle. <laughs> and then I did, I did manage to sweep him from there and there you I go. think finish it maybe with a knee bar. I'm not sure. Um, 
but uh, so I have pulled turtle, uh, but it, it's probably not the number one strategy to, you know, you can always find a dissenting opinion and Eduardo Tellis might have that dissenting opinion and maybe it even works for him, but it's not going to work for everybody. I think we probably agree on that. And when you get to, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of virologists and thousands and thousands and thousands of immunologists and epidemiologists or climate change scientists for that matter, you can always find one guy who's got the minority opinion. And people are always like, well, you know, science is driven forward by the minority opinion. You know, everyone thought Galileo was wrong. And that's true. But the number of times that the minority opinion is correct in science is real small. So if at any one point in time you had to guess, uh, is the earth flat or is it round like everybody says? The dominant theory certainly is round. There's probably some engineer out there who's like arguing for it being flat. You're, if your best, your money is best bet on the fact that it's round, that the dominant theory is correct. Uh, I mean, again, same with jujitsu. If I say, hey, here's a throw that's been working in judo for ages, and I think it's going to work in jujitsu, that's kind of a dominant belief. Whereas mm -hmm. if I go, hey, I learned this super cool. Uh, pressure point takedown in Hapkido. And I'm going to bet that this is, that's the minority opinion. I'm going to suggest that until there's more data, you should go with a majority opinion. You should probably just go with a tried and true judo throw uh, as opposed to, you know, this one outlandish, crazy opinion by, you know, Joe's Hapkido and grappling club owner. Is this like uh, the Detroit uh, survival? <laughs> Detroit urban survival. <laughs> should, I, should I listen to him or yeah. should I listen to, you know, jujitsu, black belt, <laughs> judo, black, when it comes to self, when it comes to like, you know, training and self-defense, I'm not, I'm not sure who to pick here. <laughs> I, I wonder, I understand that people can be crazy, right? I think that guy's kind of nuts. Uh, there was somebody on Reddit who claimed to have known him before when he was a bouncer and said he was completely nuts. The Detroit urban survival training guy. Yes, the T, yes, the yes. T stands for training. T um, for training. Or, uh, but I, what I don't understand is the people following. I understand that there's some Chinese guy who thinks he can blast people with his chi. Like people are crazy. How does he find the people to like go flying across the room when they get hit by this magic chi ball? Uh, McDojo Life had this awesome thing of where it was two guys, the master, like he had this ball of chi mm -hmm. and his student was beside him and the master throws the ball of chi at the wall. It bounces off the wall and hits the student and the student goes flying back. So it's not only the direct blast, it's the ricochet blast. It, like, How do you find these people who just believe something that crazy? So how does that Detroit urban survival tactics or training guy find people who are willing to train there, especially when he's being pilloried in kind of the, the normal martial arts press. But I, I guess, you know, it's, he's too deadly. He's being, uh, the, the media is trying to shut him down. The media is uh, trying to shut him down. His hands are registered we registered weapons. Didn't you know that? Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> just self-defense. <laughs> he killed a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's quite interesting, but like, in a sense, too, it's almost like it's 
I guess you have to be in whatever. It's, it's dangerous, right? Because somebody who doesn't know any better and they go to try that, it can be dangerous if they decide to do that. If they decide that this is actual fact and not test out that theory before it actually happens, right? Or maybe that's the only gun survival tactic that they know and this happens and that's what they try. So I don't know. It's like, it's. I find it dangerous. If it's a joke, it's a joke, but he takes it very, very seriously though. That's my only worry with him. I guess if I go back to my early days of training Kung Fu, I had my doubts that what we were learning would work. I had my doubts that doing all these forms or kata over and over and over would then magically translate into amazing timing, distance, and, uh, and range uh, in an actual fight. But I still continued training for years. Kind mm -hmm. of, I don't know if it's going to work, but this guy says it's going to work, so I should probably continue doing it. And uh, I mean, the reality is, as soon as you spar, all that stuff goes out the window, yeah. all, all of it. Um, except, you know, like you'd, it was funny, you'd have this exchange, which looked really just like bad kickboxing. And then like the two people would separate because we did do full contact sparring once or twice a year. And I got more out of those full contact sparring sessions once or twice a year than I did out of the remaining 363 days of training the rest of the year. But you have these two guys that kind of be beating each other up with bad kickboxing and then they'd go back and they'd take a stance mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of from one of the katas and then they'd go back and it would look more like bad kickboxing or soon it would devolve into like just guys throwing giant right overhand haymakers <laughs> um, uh, because you know under pressure no plan of action survives contact with the enemy and if you've never trained your stuff under pressure it's even less like even less of it will survive mm -hmm. so kind of like um kind of going more into like your kind of history because i would say at the beginning like you were really involved in social media and obviously getting your instructionals out very early especially as kind of like jujitsu is kind of getting into that youtube phase as it is more instructional like different platform phase like how did that kind of all evolve was it just something where like wait how am i going to expand my business was what was it yeah i think at that point i was trying to decide whether i should try to open a school or not open a school and uh the alternative to not you know obviously if i opened a school then that would be a business and that would be a way that i could get training in as well uh, I was also a firefighter though, and that made the scheduling of that difficult. Like there would mm -hmm. have been some logistical hurdles because we don't work on a seven day schedule. We work gotcha. on an eight day schedule. So there are ways to do it. There's lots of firefighters are involved in teaching, but it, you know, then you need another, another person or mm -hmm. a bunch of other people. And it seemed, so at the time it was like, okay, I, I don't know if I'll figure this out in the future, but for now, I think I'll just do instructionals and focus on my own training. Uh, so I wasn't the first guy to produce jiu-jitsu instructionals. Obviously, I think that was actually the honor for that goes to uh, Hoist and Horian mm -hmm. uh, when they were like, God, $350 for you know something like 10 techniques shown in slow motion from mm -hmm. different angles. and On VHS. You know, on, yeah, half on, hour VHS. The big like VHS like box like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you start seeing independent productions like Michael Jen. I don't know if anybody listening or watching remembers Michael Jen, but I think he was, <clears throat> excuse me. 
I think he was just a brown belt when he started producing that. And he hadn't won any world championships. But what he was showing was logical. It was, I thought, better laid out and better paced than what the Gracies were releasing at the time. Uh, and he was just kind of like, well, I, I don't have the credentials of the Gracie family, but I'm just going to show more stuff. I was like, I can do that. So I, the, the very first instructional I ever produced was just, we had one of those VHS cameras where you clip the giant VHS cassette to the side of the camera. So you start out with a giant camera and made it even more giant by adding a VHS cassette and you'd film directly under the VHS cassette. Mm. A friend of mine had one and I'd just been thinking about some ways to attack the turtle. And the, my idea was if you have uh, somebody in turtle, you can attack above the arm below the arm or in front of the leg. Basically you can invade different parts of his turtle structure and you can invade those spaces with your arm or your leg, right? You can take your knee and you can jam it, say in between his elbow and his knee, or you can jam it under his armpit or you can jam it in from above. And these lead to different things. And that was kind of an interesting conceptual approach. So we filmed it on a VHS cassette with no intention of ever selling it. And I never did. I wish I could find it. That'd be super cool. It, and in like, we filmed it in the rec room of his apartment building and I made some copies and I sent it out to a few friends and they were like, this is pretty good. Like you might want to clean this up and, uh, and sell it. And like, why, how can I sell this? Like, I'm, who's ever heard of me? Who's ever heard of Michael Jen was the answer. It's like, okay, good point. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was the start of it. I I would uh, give a fair bit of money for getting my hands on that original VHS tape. It's kind of uh, kind of funny. So yeah, I, I think it was just uh, having knowledge. But I mean, there's there's two things. There's again, there's having knowledge, and there's having some kind of pedagogy or teaching method or way to convey mm -hmm. it. And when you take a look at those early you know, Panther productions. Oh yeah, I remember the host yeah. of Panther yeah. Productions. Yeah. 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> or they'd have, you know, they'd get a fighter, Don Fry, and then they'd make like a 12 or 18 volume thing, you know, Don Fry teaches takedown. Okay, Don Fry had decent takedowns. Don Fry teaches devastating striking combinations. Okay, Don Fry had very good striking. Don Fry teaches submissions from the guard. Don Fry didn't know what the you know, what the difference between guard and turtle was. And, uh, <laughs> I remember him going for an arm bar on the wrong arm. He could uh -oh. have converted to a normal plot if he'd known what he was doing. But he had no idea what he's doing. Next thing you know, there's like Panther Productions, Don Fry's submission from the guard. Don't get me wrong. Don Fry is an amazing fighter, one tough dude, highly, highly entertaining. My voice is breaking there. It's second puberty. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the production values were pretty low and also the pedagogy that the approach to trying to teach it was pretty low. And I thought, yeah, I can probably improve on that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I did. So I, I, as were other people, because there were other people who had the same idea. Nice. So what, what's some advice you would give to somebody who's looking to like, hey, you know, I want to teach online. I want to have kind of like what you did and you've been doing it a long time like hey like i want to have like th this dvd or that or put together a course so from your years of experience doing this like what's some advice you would give them some things that worked out well for you and maybe some things that maybe not so much well yeah there's a whole lot of things that didn't work out uh so it's 
you know, what is it, Edison having not failed to invent the light bulb a thousand times, but having found one way to make it work. Exactly. <laughs> one way to make it work. Uh, I think that the obvious thing to start with is YouTube, right? You can judge whether or not your approach, because let's say that uh, I'm super high energy, right? Let, let's just say I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm like a, an infomercial fitness product maker. It looks like I'm high on Coke and methamphetamine all the time. And this is how I change. This is just normally how I am. Is there a market for this? Well, there's an easy way to tell. Put it on YouTube. Start teaching on YouTube. Put 50 videos on YouTube of you teaching. Right. So a student asks you a question. Hey, Biff, uh, what do I do when the guy goes to S-mount and tries to go for the armbar? You probably had an answer for your student. So that's your first video that you put on YouTube. Mm -hmm. The next day, <clears throat> hey, Master Biff, uh, when, I, when I'm in half guard and the guy uh, gets a knee shield on me, I, uh, I don't know what to do. What to do when you're in half guard and the guy gets knee shield on you. There, that's the title. I, I, you might be able to polish that a little bit. but And then put it, maybe your style resonates with people, maybe it doesn't. So before you go invest a whole ton of time on fancy camera equipment, uh, audio equipment, lighting equipment, or cut a deal with some producer, see if you have, see if the way that you're doing it resonates and you'll get feedback. Oh, this video did really well. Why? I included some humor in it. Okay, well, maybe you should include more humor. Uh, so I think that's probably the easiest way to, uh, to get to test the waters. And, you know, if you do then go ahead, then you'll have some kind of following that you can use to promote it it's, just, it's a mistake one of the big mistakes is just i'm going to produce it and they'll come to me because i've got such i'm going to produce a wrist lock video and my wrist locks are so good and i know they're good all my students know they're good people are just going to come knocking my doors down to get my wrist lock dvd or my wrist lock app or my wrist lock streaming instructional no if they don't know who you are they're not going to do it so i think unfortunately you got to be willing to play the social media game yeah, you, you said a big thing where we've talked to a bunch of other guys who are involved in social media and it's like eyeballs. Eyeballs are everything. So yeah. it's getting as much free content out there as possible and then seeing what the audience kind of does, refining your process and then going from there, really. But that's kind of the it's one thing we always keep hearing. It's just like eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it's difficult in some ways because, you know, it, Eyeballs by them. Like if I wanted to get maximum number of eyeballs on my jujitsu site, the answer is easy. Get three super hot chicks in bikinis and uh, have that. There was actually, this was done um, about 10 years ago. There was a channel that was like a uh, couple of really uh, well-endowed girls going around and uh, taking jujitsu lessons from, from the various luminaries in Southern California interesting uh, <laughs> i think i remember uh, that channel <laughs> Joel, i mean unfortunately i think me you and aaron may not be able to pull this off unfortunately yeah <laughs> um yeah a very niche audience perhaps uh things we've all got facial hair uh but the trouble is so that gets a lot of eyeballs if they then produced their instructional would anyone buy it the answer is no i mean again they might be able to monetize only fans uh which 
this this was in the era before OnlyFans. So just eyeballs by itself. I mean, that Detroit Urban Survival guy also gets a lot of that's eyeballs. All, that's eyeballs. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. So it's it's yes, eyeballs and uh, quality <laughs> and something congruent with what you're trying to uh, to sell, which actually means I'm an idiot because if you take a look at my Instagram posts, say uh, I released something. I want to say four or five days ago about how it was ironic that people who thought that you can't trust big pharma about the vaccines, as soon as they get sick with COVID, they're running to get big pharma products like ivermectin, beep, hydroxychloroquine, beep, beep, and, uh, and monoclonal antibodies and prednisone, all of which are produced by big pharma. So, and that blew up, right? Like there's hundreds and hundreds of comments thousands of likes and then the next day i go and release something about uh the omoplata and that's got you know a couple hundred likes it's the controversy gets eyeballs Mm -hmm. but really it just pisses a bunch of people off as well and that's because then you get angry comments and then buy my omoplata buy my omoplata dvd coming soon (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so the, the algorithm rewards controversy is part of the reason why I think you see people who might have been more moderate initially, they get so much positive feedback from the universe when they go a little bit controversial. They start, I don't know, talking about shooting down surveillance drones that are out there to make sure that they're not breaking quarantine. Like that's, I saw that post. Um, how many surveillance drones were used in North America to ensure that people weren't breaking uh, lockdown. I'm gonna go zero. Yeah. So it's like taking a super brave Patriot stance against a non-existent threat. Uh, again, tons of controversy, the guy goes, hey, you know, I'm getting so many people agree with me here. I'm just gonna go more and more and more in that direction. It's the radicalization method. You've seen it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's true. Cause like even, um... The biggest one I always heard was like, oh, they're interjecting 5G or no. whatever microchips in the vaccine. And that's what they're going to. I'm like, motherfucker, they're tracking you with your phone. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing that. <laughs> well, there, there was the big thing in the beginning. It was like, oh, you see all these 5G towers going up. That's what's creating COVID. But then like that whole conspiracy like disappeared like two weeks later and it went on to something. I'm like, whoa, what? Like that just didn't happen, guys? Like. What's I don't know, since we're on this topic, like what's the craziest thing you've seen that on social media, I guess in the last two years with all this happening, where you're just like, where the hell is this coming from? Because that was the one for me. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not accurate. <laughs> uh, that's is a super nerdy thing, but uh, there was a a paper that was published in some pay to play journal, right? So in the big journals, Nature, Science, I don't know. British Medical Journal, uh, New England Journal of Medicine, those places. I can't go and pay you to publish my article. I, I might have to pay. It, once you accept my article, I might have to pay a fee for processing. But it's not like I can go, hey, here's a couple of grand. Publish this. There are such journals. So in one such journal, there was an article talking about how 5G radiation set up harmonic resonances, which sounds very scientific, in the... Uh, phospholipid cell membrane, which again, I mean, there is a phospholipid cell membrane, but they're just using all the big words. 
and set up pentagonal holes in the cell membrane. And then RNA could go through those holes and spontaneously assemble into the viral genome, which is like 20,000 uh, RNA units long in a very specific order. And that's why we were getting worldwide coronavirus. It wasn't just that people were getting sick from 5G. 5G was actually assembling the viral genome inside people's bodies all over the world. And it was a super well laid out thing. I mean, but it was, it couldn't have been, you couldn't have had a more farcical article. It's, it's like taking. <laughs> now, so that, can you sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but now can you say what you exactly <clears throat> just said in an Alex Jones voice? <laughs> um, Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, they're, they're, I, they're, they're, I, have, I have limits and you found them. So, <laughs> that, that, Black Hawk helicopters. Yeah. It, uh, the, the people talk about the media, right? And when people start talking about the media, what they really mean is the center and center left media, right? Let, let's assume the New York Times is center left. I, I don't think it's that left, but let, let's just let's grant you that. And on the opposite side, you know, on the opposite side, we've got Fox News. And beyond Fox News, we've got you know, the, the Dan Bonginos, the Alex Joneses. The Joe Rogan is kind of neck and neck with Fox News sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's part of media, too. And they've, they've got all the same incentives. There's monetization, you know. But when, when, you take, when I follow a story that the New York Times reports on, and I take it to the science... It's like, okay, they usually, like 99% of the time, it's like, okay, they kind of got that right. Again, the facts, not the policy. When The Guardian in the UK publishes a story, it's like, usually their underlying data is correct. When Fox fucking news publishes something, or Tucker, the human shit stained Carlson, starts talking about something, it's like, it's almost always a complete absolute distortion of the actual facts at the time like it's 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 unbelievable there is none of this everyone's lying to you because it again i think it was a conspirituality thing if everything is true you know if, if everything is possible then nothing is true if it's totally possible that the new york times is lying to you the same way that fox news is lying to you then who knows a anything could be possible nothing's true how, how are we even to know and I, I think that's just not true uh there there are i'm not saying new york times or the guardian those are the two biggest sources of you know traditional media that i consume i'm not saying they've ever gotten it right every time but statistically they're, they tend not to be making shit up at least when they're reporting stuff and that's just not true on the other side like uh, i um, and so you've got a whole bunch of people living with fantasy data. Uh, you've got, you know, Tucker Carlson, whose big defense when he got taken to court was, Hey, I'm an entertainer. I'm not a news reporter. I shouldn't be expected to be held to that standard of actually telling the truth. <laughs> I remember this. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. It's like, wait a minute. Aren't you a reporter? No, nah, man. I, I just entertain people. I'm just, I'm yeah. just, I'm just effing around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm about as factual as Saturday Night Live, but 
millions of the difference is millions of people listen to me like what is it with with great power comes uh great responsibility, great responsibility. yeah or wasn't it a key and peel sketch with great power come these balls on your chin um, <laughs> but, uh, with great power comes great responsibility and I, i'm gonna like it's it's for one the 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 facts that are coming across are completely irresponsible. And secondly, it's just underlying, it's, it's creating this narrative of everyone is lying to you, right? And that's, that's super dangerous. It's just creating this massive conspiracism, this, this conspiratorial worldview. And I know that the, the freedom bros love to cite, you know, the Nuremberg codes and imply that you know, having to show your vaccination status before you get on a plane is exactly the same as what the Jews went through in Kristallnacht or in the Warsaw Ghetto. But I will say there is, and I'll, I'll go to the World War II analogies or the pre-World War II analogies, this incredibly wide-reaching conspiracies everywhere, right? There, there's Jewish communists around every corner. That is a precursor or sort of an on-ramp to fascism. That, that is true. Like if, if you get enough people believing enough impossible things before breakfast uh, and get them to do anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's so hard to kind of, and again, you get people who are just like, they just don't want to believe anything anymore. Right. Cause yep. they're, they're getting all these different things and they're like, ah, whatever. Yep. I, I don't, I don't care anymore. They're, and again, they just, okay, I'll take it with a grain of salt. And then they just try to do their own thing, I guess, at that point. It's totally understandable why people would go there. Uh, but the danger then is you end up with apathy and inaction, right? Like mm -hmm. right now, uh, I, don't, I think the Ontario hospital system isn't doing that well. Am I correct? It's not doing great right now. Yeah. They're kind of all over the place because obviously like ICU capacity is starting to rise. Obviously more hospitalizations are starting to happen. And, and it, it's unfortunate because everybody... The vaccinated are blaming the ant the anti-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers are blaming the vaccinated. So it's just like all over the place right now. Yeah. I, I think objectively we're gonna get just how between the nurses and doctors being sick. I it let's say that Omicron is one third as deadly as Delta. I think that seems to be roughly the right yeah. ballpark, mm -hmm. which totally ignores the possibility. Of long, totally doesn't talk about long COVID, but that's a whole mm -hmm. other rant for another day. Let's say it is one third less deadly. What happens when you have 15 or 20 times as many cases, right? Then that's four, three or four times as many people. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, that's uh, five. That's, you know, that's five times as many people in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. with less people able to take care of them. And I mean, I do know this from kind of working in in a healthcare adjacent field, when they say like this whole ICU business, like an ICU, great, we can create an ICU bed, right? We could create an ICU bed in, in my spare bedroom here. We could designate this as an ICU bed. What makes an ICU bed are nurses and medicines, right? Like they're running out mm -hmm. of monoclonal antibodies. I was hearing one Ontario physician yesterday say he had like 300 doses of one of the monoclonal antibodies for the whole province. Hopefully Jeez. there's more coming, but you know what? I think Florida, and Texas are going to need them too. And also it very generally in an ICU, it's one nurse to one patient, right? Some patients need two nurses. Sometimes mm -hmm. one nurse can take care of two patients. 
what happens when you got one nurse taking care of three patients? And that nurse <clears throat> was pushing paper for the last five years. And mm -hmm. like, no, we need you in the ward. I don't have ICU training. I don't have critical care training. It doesn't matter. We just need a body. So you've, you're just throwing bodies in there. We're not trained. We're running out of the, the treatment options, trying to take care of uh, three times as many people as they would ordinarily need to take care of. It, uh, that's the price of inaction, right? Like what's the single best way to stay out of the ICU right now or to stay out of the hospital right now? It's to get your booster. Is it gonna last forever? No. Is it, but you know, I'm gonna get Omicron. I am, there's, there's no way around it. I prefer, I vote for getting it in March. I probably, I probably had it already. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I just thought at the time because you know like I had I've had every shot given to me imaginable at this point so I just thought I had a really bad cold for a few yeah. days, shook it off. But you know what? I may not have been so lucky if if I was given other situations. So yeah, but I yeah I I'll, I'll just given the choice, I would far rather catch it in March or April yeah. when the hospital system isn't teetering on the edge of collapse like the yeah. good luck getting an ambulance to the hospital now on a timely manner like there's tremendous delays even for heart attack and stroke right now yeah. at least in british columbia uh and i thought I, I saw the same thing in a bunch of ontario cities well that's more than, the issue that's more the issue than likely now. yeah i think what the issue is is there's only so many resources to go around and as you know like you know being a firefighter and a first responder like there's only there's only so many resources to go around there's only so many hospital beds there's only so many you can be like oh let, let's just double the icu capacity and build a bunch of beds it's like well it's great but like who's gonna yeah. <laughs> who's yeah. gonna build them or who's gonna manage them yeah so I, but the trouble is like honestly like the best way to stay out of the hospital for January and February is to get your booster. That's that's really rock solid. Like that, that's the data there is unequivocal. It doesn't mean that every single person who got their booster is gonna stay out of the hospital, but it's like it's just everybody wearing a seatbelt is not gonna survive a car accident. Mm -hmm. But it I don't know, triples the chances of survival. It's more than triples the chances of staying out of the hospital. Uh but people are so confused. Ah, fuck, this guy's saying this thing. I heard this on Rogan. Yeah, fuck, I'm just not going to do nothing at all. Yeah. And so my point is apathy and inaction have their own consequences. It's like uh, in, um, I used to do a lot of whitewater kayaking. So there's these two terms. There's panic and reverse panic. So panic is when you're just using all your, if something's gone terribly wrong. Your, your boat is flipped and you're going down towards the brink of the waterfall and the below there is a deadly canyon. And if you go over that waterfall, you're probably dead. Panic is swimming, just like all action, no mind, right? Just where you're just thrashing as hard as you can. Maybe you're swimming to the wrong side of the river, but you're still swimming like crazy, right? So you should actually be trying to figure out what the best thing to do is and then applying your energy there. So panic by itself is bad. Same in a jujitsu context, right? If you have me mounted and you're smothering me, panicking, is the wrong thing to do. I shouldn't just like bench press and uh, and bridge, unless I'm doing that in a really specific way. But you know, I shouldn't do the beginner mistake. That's panicking. Otherwise, I'm going to get caught in like the old swinging arm bar, and that's pretty embarrassing. But similarly, the opposite of that is reverse panic, where people are just so overwhelmed they're like, "Oh, fuck it, I give up." 
Yeah. And uh, where they just, they kind of go limp and they just accept the fate. I, I had friends, I wasn't there when he died, but a, a friend of mine got washed into a really deadly canyon in flood after wiping out a set of rapids up above. So this wasn't an entirely theoretical thing. And people who said, who watched it, said he was just like hanging onto his boat and looking downstream. And he knew what was downstream. So that's reverse panic. It's just like overwhelming. So no action and just being so overwhelmed with thought. Mm. Uh, and I, there's probably examples in um, jiu-jitsu as well where people are like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to try and like you know, protect here and not do anything at all. No, you should be... Tr- the, the middle ground is <laughs> keep thinking and keep doing stuff. Uh, so the the co- there is a cost to an action. Mm-hmm. It definitely yeah. is. So I guess since we're on this subject, um, what would you like to see, like, you know, BC government? And I know you talked about, since you live in BC, like... I guess what are what is a long term solution to COVID? I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I'm a I'm a brown belt, you know, pulling on lapels and stuff. But like, I don't know. I think it's going to be something that's going to be here for the foreseeable yep. future. I don't. Um, I don't think we're going to be other things getting thrown at us. Omicron, Megatron, C3PO, R2D2, yeah. CBD from Spirit Leaf Water Down. It's all it's all coming <laughs> to us. So what what's like a long-term solution that you see that can kind of i mean can save as many lives as possible but maybe doesn't shut down the world i guess yeah yeah i'll just go back to the point that we didn't really shut down the world like there were countries that did shut down the world and all the freedom bros uh you you don't live in a country well unless you live in like spain i think spain did a pretty thorough italy maybe yeah but if you're living in the states or in canada you didn't have a complete, they didn't shut down the world. Like, no. um, even in the, but that's a separate, that's a separate rant. I don't know. The answer is, and anyone who says that they know for sure is full of shit. I think there's some hopeful signs. Uh, I mean, even right now, if I was running a gym in British Columbia or in Ontario, I would be strongly tempted to ignore the government regulations, but I wouldn't just open up and business as normal. That there's not, this is a false dichotomy, like open or closed. No, no, no. You can do things like uh, training pods. You can do things like improving ventilation. You can do things like having much smaller classes. You know, it's, hey guys, for the next three weeks, or you can do things like temporary shutdowns. Look, we're just going to wait till the cases come down to less than a thousand a day, right? That these are there are intermediate options. Until cases come down to a, less than a thousand a day, we're going to open up the gym for. I'm, I'm making this up. It depends how big your space is for partner training. You and a partner can come in, and you can book your one-hour slot and train. You still get some training. I'll be there. I'll be there coaching you. But we're just not going to do it exactly the way that we did. Right? They're, they're not open or closed. And honestly, if I ran a a club right now, which I don't. Uh, I'd be tempted to go with some kind of intermediate thing. So where I'm trying to be responsible. Uh, personally, I would have a vaccination policy in my club. I think that's, there are clubs that have that. It does take some work to find them. I think it's a couple of things. It reduces the transmission. It doesn't bring it to zero. It reduces the severity of the, the, the it reduces transmission by a couple of mechanisms. 
doesn't bring it to zero. It also tends to imply that those people are probably not out at the at the underground club partying till four in the morning with 500 of their best friends while drunk out of their mind. If they're fully vaccinated, they're probably more likely to be taking some kind of precaution in their lives. So that's so that's sort of my would be my short term answer. Medium term, I think there's I think a big thing that we don't know the answer yet to is how much immunity does something like Omicron convey against other variants? Omicron's going to come. It'll there's we don't know if it's going to stick around. It might burn out. It might poof like the the candle that burns six times as bright burns six times as short. Mm-hmm. It might come and be gone. It might come and stick around. It might become the dominant thing. We don't know. At this point, it looks like it's going to come and burn out, and I can only hope. What then, how much immunity does Omicron give you against Delta? Because Delta is going to come back, right? If, if Omicron gives you 95% immunity against Delta, that's, the, that's fantastic. If it's 10% immunity against Delta, that's a very different world. Mm-hmm. I think eventually there will be, uh, it will become endemic. It is, endemic doesn't mean mild though. Endemic just means found everywhere and not likely to go away. So then how do we adapt? Honestly, I, I, I still think the answer is vaccination. There are universal COVID, sorry, not universal COVID vaccines, universal coronavirus vaccines coming where they try to, because Coronavirus is a, is a family of viruses. I don't know if I'm mansplaining this, but it includes like half the varieties of the flu. It includes MERS. It includes SARS-1. Uh, it includes a whole bunch of viruses, which we've dealt with, which we're dealing with, and which are going to come in the future. And if we can come up with a universal uh, coronavirus vaccine, which is under development, will it pan out? We don't know. That would be a huge game changer. So I... I Best case scenario, Omicron basically immunizes everybody who hasn't been immunized. It's very effective against the other variants and buys us enough time to get to a universal uh, coronavirus vaccine. That, that's my best case scenario. If that pans out, things would be pretty normal in, uh, in a couple of months, right? I think our, our hospital systems are almost certainly going to get hammered. And by hammered, I mean like doing triage in the hallways and okay yeah. if you're under if you're over 50 sorry you're not getting treated you know initially be if you're over 70 we're not treating you because it'll take three people to treat you and we could treat three people under 50 mm-hmm. and that age will start coming down and the number of comorbidities that you have to disqualify you will start coming down and it, i think it'll be really ugly i think january and february are going to be grim don't break a leg like don't don't break yeah. a leg skiing don't break an arm in jiu-jitsu for the next couple of months because there may not be an ambulance to take you to the hospital yeah then i think no, it gets better that that's the biggest worry too because it's just like all the other stuff doesn't go away right your, your heart attacks all your other treatments all the other surgeries and injuries yeah. like that that's the worry so i i hope again like everybody i think we i hope for the best and obviously prepare for the worst i think at that point i i think the other thing and canada's remiss in this is that i mean what i was doing for the last couple of months and what i'm going to start doing again as soon as this wave dies down is i was doing a lot of one-on-one training and we would you know if 
don't know, my friend Alex and I were going to train. Okay, we're going to train Monday and Tuesday. Great. We'll both do a rapid test on Monday. I have mm -hmm. got a box of rapid tests. They're way too expensive now. That's like that adds up quick because they're about yeah. 14, 15 bucks a test. And, you know, you get 25 in a box and that's 350 bucks. If I recall correctly, I'm not doing this yeah, math on the not fly. Cheap. I'm not a, not a mathematologist. Uh, but I would have thought that the rapid test would be universally available essentially for free the way they are in the UK. And that let's just say that they were 50 cents each. All right. That's a pretty easy solution. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a pain in the ass to go to jujitsu class 10 minutes early and swab the inside of your mouth and your nose and get a test. But Hey, if it allows us to train, that's actually not that big an imposition. And that's actually not, you know, that's not a hardship, right? Like, again, there'd be like, this is just like having to storm the German trenches in World War I. <laughs> <laughs> no. This no, violates no. the Charter of Rights. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's you trying to take care of yourself. It's you trying to take care of your training partners. And it's you trying to take care of the people that you don't know. The little yeah. old lady at the fucking grocery store. Uh, you know, the... You might be young and healthy. All your training partners might be young and healthy. What about the giving it to the grocery store clerk who then gives it to her grandma and your grandma can't go to the hospital because you already gave it to three other people? Like it's, yeah. Um, there's this idea of, oh, you got me going now. This idea of rights without responsibility. You know what really grinds Stephen's gears? <laughs> <laughs> go this on. idea of rights without responsibilities. How many of our jiu-jitsu brethren would have described themselves as warriors or would describe themselves as warriors? I'm a warrior, bro. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, like pick an era. Like, like, let's go to, I don't know, 16th century Africa and you're a village, you're a warrior in some Ugandan village. And I don't know anything about Ugandan villages in 16th century Africa. I'm going to assume they had little villages. I'm going to assume there were warriors in them. Does being a warrior mean walking around doing whatever the fuck you want or does it mean having a role within that society to take care of other people oh look here come the guys from the next village my freedom tells me i can just go away and I, i'm leaving no you got a responsibility to take care of the people in that village being a warrior doesn't mean doing whatever the hell you want it means using your skills to some extent to help protect society and a bunch of other stuff so there's a this basic like a moral precept that I have a right to swing my fist, but that right to swing my fist stops where your nose begins. I, I, I can do whatever the hell I want, but as soon as I start intruding on your freedom, that's a problem. So I believe generally in gun ownership. I have guns. I have a right to go shoot those guns under controlled circumstances. I don't have the right to set up a shooting range in the park across the street and plink away at targets there. Because if I screw up, I'm going to hit the mom who's picnicking with her kids. Mm. Right? I, I have freedom, but that's constrained by the rights of other people to not have my freedoms infringe upon them. If you live in Alaska, or you live in Nunavut, and you're 300 kilometers from anybody else, shoot your gun anytime you want. Do whatever the hell you want. You're basically not affecting other people. Mm -hmm. But if you're choosing to live in society where we've got supermarkets run by, you know, where we have Walmarts, where 
the Walmart greeters are all 70 years old, people who don't have a pension, uh, and you know, poor people who probably don't have the best, best health. Uh, we have Walmarts, we have pharmacies, we have gas stations, we have uh, libraries, we have movie theaters, we have all these amenities because we choose to live in a society. So you have some rights, you have some rights, but you also have responsibility to take care of other people. So if there's a 10% chance that wearing an N95 mask or a KN95 mask is going to stop somebody else from getting sick, and I'm going to argue it's a lot higher than 10%, why the hell wouldn't you? Like, mm-hmm. it, your, your right to have a free face trumps somebody else's right to live. Uh, I'd say that the ethics on that are completely wrong. No, and you, you talked about it. It's just about social responsibility, right? It's just being responsible to your neighbor and is not infringing upon your rights. But it's again, it's being a responsible human being, plain and simple. Yeah. So you've said in 10 or 15 seconds what took me 10 minutes of ranting. <laughs> to convey. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Where I'm enjoying the ranting, definitely. It's a, it's a huge, huge, huge honor for me to have, have you on a have you on today um just closing remarks like any anything do you have any sponsors you want to shout out anything like that you have a if people want to find out more about me they can search on any platform they want and they'll hopefully find me if they don't and i'm not doing my job so that's about as much of a shout out i want as i want to do i think that better times are coming uh i think hopefully this is the last big storm We'll see. We don't know. Like, uh, as my kid said to me, facts don't care about your feelings, Dad. Uh, and I, I, there are many things I wish were true. And unfortunately, not all of them are, right? Like, uh, but I, I think that there's good evidence to suggest that better times are coming and they might be coming fairly soon. Let's, it's, hopefully, we'll have a conversation six months from now. And we can just talk jujitsu and we'll spend five minutes going, man, was that ever a shitty couple of years? Oh, yeah. How's, yeah. How are your chokes coming? What, you know, what chokes are you working on now? And that would, nothing would make me happier. Like uh, nothing would make me happier than, well, it wouldn't be, it probably not going to be ivermectin, not going to be hydroxychloroquine, but you know, our fermented Brussels sprout juice just being yeah. the absolute bomb. And all of a sudden uh, this, this whole thing seems like a bad dream that nothing would make me happier no i like that steven it's been an awesome pleasure having you on the podcast i do appreciate you coming on thank you so much Us. All right. Us. to go back to my kung fu days <laughs> uh, awesome. thank you, thanks everybody thank, thank you, you guys